0: Good morning and welcome to your favorite Friday morning podcast, Conversations with Buddy. Brought to you by The Wreck, way more than a bowling alley. Question for you, are you feeling impacted each week? Are you grateful to hear the stories and testimonies behind each person? Does a podcast challenge you to step up and step out in faith, courage, and boldness to share the important things in life? Like your trials, your pain, your hope. We give you the ability to connect each week with our guest because we believe people matter, you matter. We are grateful to all the listeners who take the time each week to hear the stories of our guests. Please help us grow the show by taking a moment right now and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Our purpose of this podcast is to impact the world one testimony at a time. This morning, I am truly excited and grateful to introduce you to my guest and friend. Kevin Thomas. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks,
1: buddy. Good to see you, man.
0: Well, hey, it's good to be seen, right? So far. Yeah. <laughs> well, you and I, uh, we've known each other for maybe a, what,
1: a decade or so? No, no, far. I'm thinking close to 20. Has it really yeah, been that long? You know, time flies. I've been a, at a couple different banks over the years, yeah. and I'm thinking goes back to before 2010. Wow.
0: Time so, flies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're old. We are old. Well, speak for yourself, man. You're older than me. No, I am. Okay. I, substantially, no, yeah. It's good. Well, hey, you've been a great friend. You're a brother in the Lord. Um, I've always enjoyed getting together with you, so this is no different. So, welcome to the podcast, and uh, let me just do, so, do a quick intro of who you are. Tell people who you are, and then we'll dive into some questions and figure out who Kevin is. Do you, the it's deep a things deal. Of Kevin, it's man. a deal. Okay. So... You've been married for thirty-six years. You got married on Christmas Eve, thirty-six years ago. Who's your
1: wife? My wife's Kathleen. Yeah, she goes by Cat. Yeah, uh, I found that that out about twenty-five years after we we're married. Oh, yeah, I always thought it was the full Kathleen, but apparently it isn't. So.
0: Okay, so you're still learning. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay, good. I'm
1: being learned. <laughs> you're being learned.
0: <laughs> you have seven gr- uh, kids, twenty grandkids, and four great grandkids.
1: That's that's about right. Um, we we lost a son earlier this year, yeah. but we've got six you know, six kids yeah, yeah. still surviving, yeah. and the uh, some good stories there, and yeah. yeah, ton of ton of descendants. We're gonna we're gonna dive into that, and I know there's some been some pain.
0: I mean, everybody has pain in their life. That's that's what this world does. It just it, it has pain and helps us look forward to what's coming. Right? Yes, As a believer, yes.
1: But it it helps us. The pain helps us enjoy what is too.
0: Okay. So, you're going to have uh, to unpack that when we get there, but deal. The pain deal. helps us to enjoy what is. Okay, we'll come back to that one. You found uh your daughter Hope last year. How did you find your daughter? How how does Hope and well, yeah, tell me how old she is, and we'll talk a little bit later in the story about how you found her.
1: Okay, so Hope is 49. She'll be 50 in March, okay. which means in 15 years I'll have a daughter that's a senior citizen, Okay, which kind of bothers me. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it should <laughs> yeah, bother you. Yeah. yeah, it
0: does. That's funny. Okay. Let's see. You believe in prayer
1: and divine appointments. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yep. There's power in the word. Absolutely. And that's one of the things I enjoy with you, buddy, yeah. is when we get together and talk, you always bring a scripture and you quote it ap- applicably to whatever our conversation is. So I that's one of the things I enjoy in our fellowship. Well,
0: it's funny you say that because I don't remember that. I remember you challenging me with the word, you know, I'm always coming <laughs> like, I'm going to learn something new from Kevin. So that's the way I see you as as a brother who challenges me. And I don't always see myself as... Oh, no,
1: you've always got uh, a scripture that you're quoting off the top of your head mm-hmm. and the way you're dealing with your family. And it's something I always appreciate and respect. And uh, I get a takeaway Okay, that that I'm able to use. So, yeah.
0: And hopefully I never uh, sugarcoat that my life is perfect because it's simply not. It's here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what I'm working through. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what life is. That's what life is. And that's why God gave us wives to... Straighten us out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you say you love your Denver Broncos. Stupidly, that's your word. Yes. And then you also have a sports room dedicated to the Broncos, right?
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, so we uh, built a new house I don't yeah. know, six years ago. Yeah. And the TV media room, uh, I've been saving Bronco memor- memorabilia for, you know, 55 years and so we've got five. Lo- yeah, we've got a lot of things in there. You know, some basketball. Some you know, like all of the dream team and yeah. a bunch of Blazer things. Yeah, but primarily Broncos. So this goes back before John Elway days and yeah. of Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Denver, so back, gosh, I was there twenty five years before Elway. Yeah, so, yeah. It's been a long time.
0: Who's the first quarterback you remember?
1: Um, Don Horn. Okay. It's uh, yeah it's before guy, my time, man. Yeah, nobody would know and nobody would care.
0: Okay. <laughs> wow. And then I noticed that you, you were wearing your beaver shirt today. So you you live in Oregon. You've adopted the
1: beavers. Is that right? Yeah, I've been out here for almost 50 years now okay. and grown up with the beavers. Yeah. And it used to be in the day, you know, you'd call the radio station. They'd have a trivia question. If you got it wrong, they'd give you tickets to the beavers. that's your punishment man yeah it was oh i know uh, it's it's been fun just you know staying with him over the years yeah
0: yeah all right well i'm a beaver fan too as you already know so we both got our beaver gear on today uh the last thing you say here is that you're a retired softball and racquetball player Mm -hmm. okay well so start there talk to us about you know life growing up and then softball racquetball and how that began in your life
1: you know when i was a kid uh The Little League wasn't as big. Only kind of the uh, more affluent kids could afford Little League. So we played a lot of Sandlot baseball and, you know, did that all growing up. And then continued after you know I got to be an adult and started playing softball. And so uh, we played, gosh, I'm 65 now, retired playing maybe three years ago. No kidding. Yeah. uh, My wife has always been a great softball player. And so we played, you know, men's, women's co ed. Yeah. Um, you know, out at Wallace Marine Park here in the Church League. Uh, just for a long, long time. It's fun, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's it's I'm not sure which of the two is my favorite sport, but it's one where we got to play with all of our boys. They were all, you know, on our teams at different time. Yeah. And they all retired before us because they were too old and too injured to play.
0: That's funny. Uh, you kept going.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, we're, we were stupid. That's my first memory of my wife was on a softball field. I was coaching a team down in Roseburg and it was a church league team and it was a women's team. And we were doing a little scrimmage, had a gal at first base that her arms were, you know, as thick as a pencil. And my wife was my star shortstop. It wasn't my wife then, but she uh, was batting. So I played her position. She hit a ground ball to me. I threw it to the first baseman, not too hard because I didn't want to break her arm. She missed it. It hit Kathleen in the back, knocked her face first in the dirt, And so I went up to her and I said, next time, if you don't run faster, I'll hit you harder. (laughs) (laughs) And so somehow after that, we ended up dating. Uh, That was it. That was the
0: one. There was no line. It's like, hey, go faster I'll hit you harder.
1: But, you know, she takes things as a challenge and she's a a really good teammate. Um, If she and I are on the same side, you don't want to be in the way. And so we'll – in racquetball, yeah. For instance, in uh, she won the you know in her mid fifties she won the women's uh, racquetball championship tournament championship in the B division like three years in a row or something. Wow! So when she played league, she had to play in the men's league, uh, and so that was a lot of fun. So you know we'd be on opposite end of the uh, spectrum on that, mm-hmm. playing you know twenty five year old young men and. Uh, she's whooping them. They don't like losing. Oh, to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of fun on that. A lot of fun. And we had to quit racquetball, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. You know, the knees start Oh, yeah. That's
0: funny. You guys did good, man. I quit racquetball years ago. I, I played last in college, I'm pretty sure. And then softball league, church, or I, I actually I played more uh, just from uh, being in the mortgage business. Uh, we had a team for a few years. It was fun, but yeah, I like that. That's you're you're a pretty competitive guy
1: under all that, aren't you? Some people say that. <laughs> uh, one of my wife's best friends says that you know I'm the most competitive person she's ever met, and yeah, I'll bet on anything with my friends, you know, or. Uh, I'll find a way to win. Yeah, but you're gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> Darn right. Uh, you Your know, wife might actually call this stubborn. I'm not sure. She does. Well, it's like I walked in the facility here and I saw that air hockey table. Yeah, and I was ready to take come on. on, let's do it. When we're done here, we'll do the air hockey. Okay, I'll go left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.
0: Well, hey, this is gonna be fun, Kevin. Uh, let's let's just go back a little bit and kind of just hear. You know, you said you grew up in Colorado. You know. Where'd you grow up? Uh, what was life like early on? How did your parents influence you? Um, those early years to figure out who Kevin is today,
1: actually, I want to hear the journey. That's
0: what people want to hear is okay. what makes you who you are?
1: Okay. So, you know, I was born in uh, 58. Uh, my mom and dad- Those are the dark
0: ages, right? They
1: were. Okay. Uh, just checking. My mom was almost Forty when I was born, and my dad was, you know, ten years older than her, so he was almost almost fifty. He was forty nine. No kidding. Uh, yeah, I have three older brothers and sisters, and they're thirteen to seventeen years older than I am. My oldest brother is developmentally disabled, and he's still alive. Lives in Salem here, and I I take care of him. No way. Yeah, and then but my mom and dad didn't live together uh, most of that time. So when he was when I was about five. He had a heart attack, came in to live with us, um, and I magically ended up with a little sister. Uh, and she's a real sweetheart. She's full-grown, four, seven and a half. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's real, real cute. Um, so that was, you know, it was 1964. Um, my dad died when I was 10. And so I found his body the day he died. Hmm. Um, that was actually on my oldest brother's birthday. Uh, my mom worked as a secretary for the, the state of Colorado, and she had been uh, in a mental institution for, you know, part of the life with the, the earlier group of kids. It's kind of – they were mostly out of the house by the time, um, you know, I came around. Yeah. And, you know, my mom and dad were the youngest of their clans. So by the time I'm 10, uh, any aunts and uncles left were 70, 75. My cousins were – 45 and 50. So I didn't really have any of them grandpants were all gone. Um, And so my mom had some effects from the thing. She was a lot of delusions. Uh, They were always out to get us and they could be the mafia, the murderer, the CIA, because she knew too much about the missing gold at Fort Knox, or it could be the aliens. So um, we always moved furniture in front of the doors at night before we went to bed. Okay. So that was kind of the early life. Um, but she always believed in God, and my my dad did too. And, um, you know, I see her reading her Bible every day. Uh, she wouldn't go to church because she had grown up in the Catholic Church, married a divorced man, which is forbidden. And so she was blackballed. And uh, I always believed in God. So when I turned 16 I was dating a gal that was a Christian. I got my car and I started going to church then. Um and that was kind of kind of the early part and that's was the genesis of my uh walk with the Lord.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. So you lived in
0: Denver for you said early on 25 years or so? I left when I was about 19. Okay. Been out here since then. Since then. That's
1: right. Okay. And then what made you move to Salem, Oregon? So, I don't know, summer of 76, 77, somewhere in there, or 77, I got a job with um, mobile oil. And we were, they were looking for oil out here in Oregon. We had these big trucks that would shake the ground. And I got hired in Denver to work here, um, setting out the lines for those trucks. There are things called transponders that we'd put into the ground to pick up the uh, sound vibrations. And so I came out in the summer and um, working with his crew and we're all between, you know, 18 and 23. And I met this girl and, um, you know, we decided we were going to get married. So that brought me, I moved from Colorado to Oregon. And I happened to have a my middle brother, Marty, that's 15 years older, was living up in Canby at the time. So I had some family out here. Okay, yeah. So that's what brought me out here.
0: Got it. Okay, so you, you came out here, you, you got married. hmm Yeah. How many kids did you have with your marriage? So yeah. that,
1: that was my first wife. We were married for nine years. We had uh, two kids, oh. and, uh, you know, they're both still in the area. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Okay. Life happens. Uh, then you, uh, at some point in time, you get in commercial lending. What does that look like? Gosh, I've been doing that for, I don't know. I got into banking, you know, the moment... I moved back here in, I think, 1978, yeah. You know, started working as a teller at the Fred Meyer Savings and Loan in Albany, Wow! And uh, but spent a good part of my re- career with uh, KeyBank and got into commercial lending there. So I've probably been doing commercial lending, uh, I don't know, close to 25 years now, 30 years, something wow. like that. It's been wow. a while.
0: Okay. And what do you love about commercial lending? Because, I mean, your, your name is well known in this town. I refer you as often as I can. And uh, I appreciate that. No, and you're a well-known guy and people, oh yeah, I'm actually working with Kevin. So, I mean, you're a well-known guy. What do you
1: love about commercial lending? What do you, what, how does it bring you joy and how do you serve people? So, one of the things that I've always done with in business is I always pray for God. I said, God, send me the clients that I mm-hmm. need to hit my goals and send me people that I can help and send me people that I can share the love of Jesus with. And so I think that's the foundation that I would say I've built my career on. Yeah. So what I like doing, what I like about it is every project is unique. There's something squirrely, something funny. Um, I love going out and seeing people's businesses because that's their dream. And to find what you know God has put into the heart for someone to do like this facility here yeah. uh, is incredible. So that's the fun part is is seeing people's dreams, um, trying to put the pieces together to make it happen. And you love a challenge, I'm pretty sure.
0: That's part of the whole thing is it's creative. You love people, and it's a challenge. It's not easy. Not anybody can do what you do. You know, they have the patience to do what you do. I've been residential lending, and we're, we're looking at 30-day closes. You're looking at what? How long is your longest deal you've
1: ever put together? Oh, gosh. Uh, depend. You know, for different reasons— you know, from the beginning of a, the thought of a deal yeah. to it actually coming uh, to fruition, it can be a year. Uh, you know, if you got a construction deal going, they've yeah. got to get permits and uh, they've got to get, you know, approval from the city or the county or whoever. Um, so, you know, th- those can take a while. Yeah. And uh, there are some challenges in that, and especially today. Yeah.
0: When you think of commercial lending, what's your favorite type of project to want to loan on? Is it apartments? Is it commercial space? Is it a restaurant?
1: What does that look like or does it really matter? Is just
0: that you love the the challenge and you love the people.
1: I like them all, but my favorite, if I had to pick a favorite, would be a construction project for uh, a manufacturing company. Because you, you've, you're dealing with someone who's got an idea or a product that they've come up with. And um, they're doing well enough that they're you know, they're starting to make some money on it and then they need to go to the next level and they need their own facility, but they've never done it before. They've never managed that kind of process. So for me, going in and taking them from, you know, zero to 60 is just so much fun. Wow. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And that's why you still do what you do. I mean, and I know that this word called retirement's coming up here pretty soon. Is that something we want to talk about or not? But
1: what is that? Is that going to be hard to do to to move on? You know, it's kind of interesting because I've got a lot of friends that are retired now, and we'll get together every once in a while, and I'll say, "What do you do?" And they say, "Well, I fish, I read, I contemplate the Lord," and I'll say, "Yeah, but what do you do?" Yeah, uh, and those are all good things, but. I, for me, retirement is going to have to be active. It has to be, you know, I believe we're put here for a purpose. You know, God tells us, you know, love God with all your heart and love your neighbors as yourself. So there's got to be a way that you're serving people mm. uh, in retirement. Um, it isn't a matter of just being home and being comfortable and loving your, you know, your grandkids. That's part of it. Yeah. But there are a million people around us constantly that we need to share Jesus with directly and indirectly. Yeah. So uh, that's what I got to figure out for retirement. That's a big calling. And you already do that
0: well, so it's not going to be a, a big transition because you're already doing Bible study, sharing the gospel, meeting with people, encouraging people, and spending time with your family and your grandkids. So you're kind of already doing that. So you just maybe do more of what you already are doing.
1: Yeah, there... Um I've always really loved missions. And so, you know, I think with the skills I've got, I should be able to, there's a couple of uh, international groups that I'm beginning discussions with, and I'd like to uh, be able to at least help them in some capacity, you know, on a a volunteer uh, basis. What a gift. I know
0: you guys have gone on lots of mission trips and you've told me lots of stories, but that definitely could be a big part of your your retirement journey.
1: Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. I want to, I want to have fun. I like to get out there. I want to be like Caleb. Uh, I want to, I want a club. I want a sword and I want to go uh, find some giants and kick some butt.
0: There you go. So. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So we're going to, we're going to dive into some more deeper questions. Um And i also ultimately want to hear, you know, you, you guys get married, what, 30,
1: you said 36 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um did you guys ever have kids, you and Kathleen? Yes. We have uh our youngest son, Marcus, is thirty, let's see, he's thirty-two now. Okay. Um, Afghan vet. And so we're celebrating you know, were recording the day before Veterans Day. Yes, we are. Uh, and so that's always important. So that's a special day for you this yeah. weekend, yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. So
0: some of the questions like I want to ask was, you know, how did you find your daughter? A year ago, she was 48 or 49. and
1: Yeah. So there, a little bit of a long story to that, but um, Valentine's Day of 2021, okay. Uh, my best friend is a retired chiropractor. He went uh, to go skiing, put his boot on, and broke his uh, femur, which meant he had stage four kidney cancer. Um, the typical prognosis at that time is 50% of the people are dead after 10 months. So... He you know, took some uh, immunotherapy, a lot of prayer from a lot of people in a lot of places. And by the time Christmas 2021 comes up, he's pretty much cured and he's doesn't have cancer now. Well, Pat, his uh, two sons are in this area. One of them is a, a pastor up in Washington. He went to Bible school in Hawaii with a pastor from Colorado. And their teacher there was uh, David Corson, who is, you know, John Corson's uh, older brother. So, the three of them were organizing a trip to Israel in May of 2022, and his two boys gave him that that trip as a Christmas present. I've always wanted to go to Israel. Hmm. um, But my wife, you know, hasn't felt that that was necessary for her faith. But the trip was full, so... That's the way it was. Well, Valentine's Day 2022, she turns out that somebody had fallen off the trip and she got me the trip for Valentine's Day. Hmm. I got her a T-shirt, so it was, <laughs> it was a fair trade. Uh, but uh, so that was an unscheduled vacation into April, beginning of May of 22. Went to Israel and just had the most incredible time and but since i wasn't going with the rest of the group i was flew back by myself it was 36 hours got back on friday morning at like 3am well i had a regularly scheduled vacation with my wife that we were supposed to fly out that night at 8pm so i was home for you know 12 13 hours flew out to south carolina for a week to see our good friends and then got back that sunday night at Seven went to work for a week. You know, grass was three feet deep. That following weekend, my wife and I both come down with COVID. Okay. And so we can't go to work for two weeks. So, uh, one of our regular habits, and, and I believe this is scriptural out of, you know, Ephesians five, is we pray together every night. And I read a chapter in the Bible to her every night, last thing before we go to bed, because I want that to be the last thing in our head when we go to sleep. And when we prayed that night, I said, okay, God, one of the things we always pray for is the opportunity to share the gospel the next day or to encourage someone in their walk. And the i said god how are you going to do that cuz i can't go talk to anybody <laughs> this uh, for for 2 weeks not changing not changing my prayer okay how are you going to do it so the next day maybe the day after um well back up a little bit in 1973 when i was in high school i was 14 15 i got my girlfriend pregnant okay her dad was a marine corps drill sergeant uh Scary. yeah I was I was still fast back then um but the baby was given up for adoption and Colorado was a close adoption state so I was not allowed to know anything about it uh and it was a little girl and so my wife and I you know we we'd been married uh, well 35 years at the time we were always praying for her uh even though Kathleen is you know 15 20 years, down the road well anyway so that night i prayed that a couple of days later i get this email from ancestry.com from this gal in alabama and it says hey my son gave me this test kit for christmas i just now did it and it says you might be my dad do you want to talk holy cow and you know we were staying in separate rooms at the time because of you know the COVID. COVID yeah so I went running into the bedroom, and said Kathleen, Kathleen, look at this, and uh, it was incredible. Kathleen said she always knew that I would find her, and I I had given up hope because I had found That's her name. It's hope. Yeah, yes, I'd i quit thinking that I'd find her because I had found uh, you know her mama, and Colorado had gotten that if the mom gave permission, you could get some. Some things, uh, but she refused and said, Don't contact me again. And I honored that. But so anyway, I go telling Kathleen that uh, we said, Yeah, we want to talk. And so we went into the living room later that day and we called her and we're texting back and forth and sending pictures. Mm. And her name is Hope. Uh, We told her how we'd been praying for all these years that she'd be raised in a Christian home, Mm. that she'd believe in the Lord. and we come to find out her parents uh, were Southern Baptist. She'd been raised in the church, lives in Auburn, Alabama. Hmm. Her dad was a pastor at Auburn University. Uh, he'd had a stroke about 18 years before, and mom was uh, having some issues. So we got a, uh, to talk to her and found out that she had gotten divorced about a year and a half before. She had three great kids that are— you know, between, say, 22 and 27, hmm. and uh, we, she was 48 at the time, and, you know, she'd gotten a lot of problems on the divorce, and she had good reason to get divorced. Um, there were some things not going as they should then. And I got to walk her through the scripture and show her that it wasn't the divorce, it was the sin. It was the the sin, particularly on his part, that had caused the divorce. So I got to pray with my daughter for the first time in almost 50 years. Mm. And so a few weeks later, we flew the kids out and, you know, her and uh, the kids, and we had all kinds of parties. And she got to meet her brothers and say, Oh my gosh, I look like him. Oh, no, I've got his nose. Uh, And so we just had a great time. She um, came out again in January of this year. We went out there in May to see the uh, youngest one graduate from Auburn. And then Hope has met a really neat guy. Um, They're getting married December 30th in Alabama, and she's asked me to come out and perform the ceremony. Wow. So... It's an incredible answer to prayer that was 50 years in the making. Are you
0: saying never give up on praying? Is that the story? I mean, is that, did that encourage you? Is that the lesson? Because we, we know we'll pray continually, but, and never cease, never stop.
1: Yeah, there was, so years ago, you know, our kids are in different stages of their walks with Christ. Some are, some aren't, um, some of them you know, created some real hard times for themselves. Uh, But Samuel, when he was giving his farewell address to the nation of Israel, said, far be it for me to ever sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Hmm. And I adopted that on our kids. You know, it's not what the scripture is talking about, but it fits. And so far be it for me to ever sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for my kids and so fifty years we prayed for her, almost fifty years, and that prayer is answered. Wow. Uh, in a real positive way. Um,
0: it's funny, this morning I meet with Tim Davis and Sven Anderson, two of my good friends, and and uh Sven's reminded me of the word in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, and it says love is patient and love is kind. It obviously goes on to say it doesn't track any wrongs. But the patience and the fir- you know, your persistence in prayer, God loves that. And that's just it's a great story, Kevin. I know you've told me a story, but the way you impacted it this time was different, more meaningful. Like, wow, I didn't hear the fifty years that you've been praying. I knew that, hey, you know, we got this call, ancestry.com and
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well and you know, so a big thing for me over the past number of years has been prayer. And I have to say, it's the more I've experienced it and the more answers I've seen, probably the less I understand. Um, I think I told you what happened earlier this year with our son. Um, my wife from her previous marriage had three boys and two of them, uh, you know, have been down south and we haven't had a lot of contact with them. Uh, one of them in particular got into a lot of things he shouldn't, and so we hadn't heard from him for much for the last 20 years. And then right about the end of last year, uh, he got a hold of us and wanted, you know, to repair things, and we had so many good conversations with him. And, you know, we'd been praying for him every day, but he had had a couple of you know some health issues we were making arrangements to go see him and we got a call we had we were at growth group at our house on a sunday night and we got a text that he had died that day and we had always figured that he would come back to the lord you know that the or that our relationship would be reestablished on you know my wife's deathbed we would never figured it would be on his. Hmm. Uh, and it was. But part of what was going on then is he was, because of what he was going through, he was reevaluating his walk with the Lord. And so he was posting on Facebook, you know, some of his favorite scriptures and talking about Jesus. And, you know, he wasn't... Um, Wasn't real literate or educated in the Bible, but he believed in Jesus. Yeah, and when he died, we realized that you know the pain for my wife in particular has been incredible and still is. But we realized that God was answering our prayer, completely different than how He'd answered it with hope. But what He did is He took Derek when Derek was his ripest, when he was. Best ready to be brought into the kingdom, and so different sort of answer to prayer, yeah. But still a very positive answer. And so when you said uh, earlier, I think I said you something about in, in learning to enjoy it and love it through the pain. Yeah, that one. Um, that's what this is because I know that Derek is saved. Um, he confessed Jesus Christ. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, that was painful. But we know. Yeah. And beyond any shadow of a doubt. So, yeah. And I think I told you about this summer. Um, I had, yeah, I don't know, in July, August, got a call from my niece in Washington. So my oldest son's, Or I'm I'm sorry, my uh, older brother's daughter. She's 60. And she hadn't wanted to call us and bother us because of what we'd gone through with Derek. But she said, you know, my son Marcus, 32, was uh, in a motorcycle wreck and uh, was doing like 60, 80 miles an hour and was injured pretty badly. And he had some fingers amputated and horrible road rash. Uh, But then my nephew, uh, his son— that was 23. Had been working on a roof, uh, and the scaffolding broke, and he fell through. And I'm not quite sure all the details on that, but he had some serious liver damage. So we called my nephew. That was on a Saturday. Uh, he asked us to come up and you know pray for his son on Sunday, and we did. And then Monday, the uh, you know uh, his name is Christian, was getting better. Uh, Tuesday. He wasn't doing as well. Needed a liver transplant, but there wasn't time and things. So my nephew was going crazy. That's on Tuesday night. Had a granddaughter with some real issues Tuesday night um, that were, you know, required a trip to the ER. And then Wednesday comes and my uh, oldest son ends up in the ER from writing a. Uh, an electric scooter and you know broke some ribs and meanwhile while i'm talking to him my wife is talking you know to our nephew because he's just frantically worried about his son and you know thursday we went up and christian died so we had all that happen in four days and i I forgot to say tuesday night my nephew called me and says "Unc, i want to know that christians going to heaven how can i do that he's in a coma And I said, you know, just talk to him and tell him about Jesus. Hmm. And, you know, my nephew doesn't go to church, but he believes. And so Wednesday morning, um, Christian came out of the coma for a little bit. And my nephew asked him, he said, Christian, you need to know about Jesus. He'll forgive your sins. And he says, Dad, I know Jesus. I pray to him every day. And then he died the next day. And, you know, again, not an outcome of prayer the way you think you want it. But what you see there, again, is that God took Christian at the perfect time. And uh, at the time where he would absolutely be taken into heaven. And so there's you know, a bunch going on after that, you know, with my nephew and, you know, his grief and, you know, the questions of, why did God let this happen? Why yeah. did God do this? Tough questions to to answer. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And sometimes we live on the side of heaven,
0: and we don't know why things happen. But would you say that in everything there's a purpose? Why things do happen? That God put that in motion. He didn't cause it, but
1: you know what i what I say is in his in his perfect plan. A lot of the things we do aren't in God's will. You know, David and Bathsheba wasn't in God's will. But God's plan, he brought, you know, Jesus through that. And God uses all of our mistakes and problems. You know, he used me getting a girl pregnant at 15, and he's brought about tremendous relationship, a great person. You know, she's a family nurse practitioner in in Alabama. Mm. Uh, But in all these things, he's brought about beauty. Uh and salvation. So yeah, they're not fun. This life isn't fun. But fun and joy aren't the same thing. Oh. There's joy because I know you know that our son, that my nephew are in heaven. Um, there's there's joy in that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now I get that that the human aspect, you know, having fun and being happy is not the same as joy. You know, consider it all joy when you encounter various mm-hmm. trials and
1: tribulations. In the bet, pain, in the pain, right? And you know where that verse is, right? I do, it seems. Which is what I said earlier, you always spout off these verses, know exactly where they're at, and apply them at the appropriate <laughs> time. <laughs>
0: okay, I'll take that. And yeah, you know, I uh, well, the area you challenge me a lot in too, Kevin, is, you know, while life isn't perfect... The way you lead your wife is really awesome. The way you pray for her and you read scripture to her every single night that impacts me. And, you know, as you chase Jesus, that's, uh, you know, that's what I want to do as well. And I think one of the questions I want to ask you is I had a lot of good questions, but you've really answered a lot of them. But one of the questions that you and I have talked a lot about is, you know, Christian men who aren't really doing what they should be doing. And we're not judging, but we're just saying, hey, God has commanded us to do a certain things. you know, love God, love people, and then to go into all the world and what? Preach the gospel. And so here's a question is, how do you, how do you, Kevin, challenge men that you walk alongside, and what is the biggest concern you have for men these days,
1: in the days that we're walking right now? Okay. So, you know, I always go back to that Ephesians 5, and, you know, it says, Uh, "'Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church uh, and gave himself for her.'" So that's a big deal. That's not easy, is it? No, that's the what, though. That's not the why or the how. The why and the how follow that, and he says, he, uh, he who gave himself for the church, and I'll probably quote this not entirely accurately, okay. but uh, by the washing of the word in order to present her holy and blameless on that day. So, our why and how, what we're supposed to do in life is protect our wives hmm. by the washing of the word, because our goal is to present our wife holy and blameless to God. That's the responsibility that he gives to a husband. Mm -hmm. He tells us what to do and how to do it. So, for a man, I think our responsibility is, you know, we don't walk our wives' walks, but we encourage them in their walks. Mm -hmm. And so you know my wife is in the scripture every day probably way more than i am uh but i want to make sure she's washed in the word because that's the command god gives me so i read the um i read the bible to her and sometimes I do accents, you know, I do French accents and Italian accents. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, she does not like the Transylvanian accent, the blood of Jesus. You know, she doesn't like that. <laughs> but, That's but we But we have fun with that. But you bring humor to it. And yeah. Still and, doing the same thing. Yeah, and, and we pray together every night. And there are, you know, there are nights where we miss because, you know, she's mad at me for something or I'm what? mad at her. For, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> So your life isn't perfect. Oh, at first I thought, man, your life is just perfect, and you do everything the right thing. But
1: no, not oh, are any okay. close. Good I, I get in trouble regularly. Me uh, too, and uh, and I have bad attitudes regularly. But uh, you know, the thing I always tell couples, uh, men, especially if you're having an issue with your wife, is pray f- together first. Well, uh, we don't get along. Well, there's a few things you do agree on. You always agree on your kids that you want your kids to get saved so if you don't pray for anything else together the two of you pray for your kids Mm. and then that starts to come together so my issue with men is we very often and mature christian men as well as brand new christians we're afraid to pray with our wives Uh, we're afraid to discuss or share scripture with them and we need to get over that You know, the biggest issue in America, in my opinion, is men who don't take accountability and responsibility. Um, it's tough. We need to, we need to man up. You know, for, for women, I think there's four primary ways that they need to feel covered. Uh, They need to feel protected physically. Like if someone challenges them, um, will be there for him and rarely does that come into play. I did just have a buddy who was, uh, gosh, several months ago down in uh, Vegas with his wife and a guy came running up and was going to punch her and he jumped in the way, guy hit him in the left side of the face and broke his jaw on the right side, but he protected his wife physically. Uh, I think women need to feel they're protected financially. So, uh, you know, man should be out there earning a living, taking care of his family. And that's hard. It's not fun to go to work every day. But we need to be providers, and they need to know that their nest is secure. Hmm. Um, they need to feel that they're emotionally protected, that there is no outside threat to that marriage. So, as men, we need to honor them by... You know, watching the movies we look at. Uh, My wife and I, we don't watch anything R-rated. We won't watch anything with uh, any nudity in it because I want to honor and respect my wife. I don't want her to feel threatened in any way, um, you know, emotionally. And then the fourth one is we need to protect them spiritually. And that is more than just taking them to church. That's providing that environment of scripture and prayer where they can feel comforted, safe, and, and know that. So a woman that feels protected and provided for in those four ways is much happier, uh, much more secure. Um, it's good. And, and men need to step up and, and do that, do those four things. That's a heavy calling. And I really like how you unpacked what women
0: need. Because we think we go to work and we provide financially, but not spiritually, emotionally, or physically. We're missing three quarters of our duty as a man. And I see that today. I mean, I see the collapse of marriages. Um, We're already, you know, I sin, you know. There's sin in the world. People do stupid things. But, you know, how quickly are we confessing that sin, getting back to the, the job that we're called to do, which is to Love and serve our wives. So,
1: yeah, it it's tough because I I'm as good a sinner as anybody. Are you? Uh, I've proven it over and over again. And you yes, ask my wife, uh, she'll she'll say yes. She'll emphatically. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, that's good. Yeah, Kevin, this is a good
0: talk. I mean, you know, I've had these conversations a lot over the years, over breakfast early morning at what Sybil's Omelets. Absolutely. Yep. So, I mean, that's just the go to place. Period. That's where we go.
1: Yeah, yeah and I just still can't believe you get that, you know, chicken gizzard and peanut butter omelet. But.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, not even, not even. But, uh, well, hey, what's, uh, we'll wrap up here in a moment, but what's uh, something fun you guys look forward to this next year that you, Kathleen, wanted to do? Just something fun, something
1: unique and different. Gosh, um, I always look forward to Christmas. I always plan things for, uh, activities for the kids. Um so you know, a couple of years ago, I got this great white shark uh, onesie, and explained to the kids that if they you know didn't pick up their Christmas toys, um, you know, the Christmas shark would come and chew all their toes off. Okay. And so, so we did that, uh, and then last year I think I we set up like twenty five, thirty mouse traps on a table, and I took some. Ones and fives and tens and a few twenties, and I crumpled up and I put them on my table and told my adult boys that uh, we'll blindfold them and all the money you can pick up. I think we gave them 15 or 30 seconds, you get to keep. That's funny. Oh, God, it was hilarious. Snap, 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 snap. And a lot of screaming. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I've got, I'm working on some plans for this Christmas. So I'm looking forward to that. That's funny. Um, My wife and I are looking. You know, for our next mission trip, um, we've seen God do some remarkable things on them, uh, mm. things you know in Mexico and um, down in the Solomon Islands in particular. So, I'm uh, kind of got some thoughts maybe on Brazil next year. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We look forward to every day.
0: Yes, because yeah. there's always something coming on. Yeah, amen to that. Well, hey, in, in this season that you're in, I'll be praying for you. Uh I know you and I will get breakfast on the schedule also. And uh I'm excited for you to to, you know, really look at that next chapter. I mean, you're kind of you kind of live life one day at a time. I really like that. But, you know, you are gonna be retiring soon. And, you know, what does the Lord have in mind for you? What what mission trip, you know, how's he gonna use you to impact the world? So
1: yeah, I don't know. There, you know, I come in here and I, I'm just in awe of this place and what you know Tim says is going on here. And yeah. it's holy mackerel, people are being impacted. Yeah, yeah. And you know, our job as Christians is we are shock troops dropped behind enemy lines, kind of like World War II, with the mission of helping free some of the captives. And so our job is to share the gospel, share encouragement. And when I see this facility doing that, wow. Wow. Uh, And it's, you know, I think we just need to pray for opportunity and God provides them. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I always say, the wreck, way more than a bowling alley. That's uh, Tim's tagline for here. It is. It's more than just what you see. And so, well, hey, let's wrap up here real quick, Kevin. Thanks for being on the show. Appreciate you as a brother. Appreciate your impact in the community, and appreciate your leadership with your wife. So thank you so much, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again. You're you're a guy that's always doing something, and for me that's exciting to to learn from you and see how you're moving forward and impacting the world and how God's using you. That's really what matters. So well, you know,
1: and then that's the thing. God uses all of us if we let him. He just doesn't need any of us. That's right. So, that's uh, right. You know he can use me today, and maybe not for ten years. And he's got a hundred people to replace me and to replace each one of us. Yeah. But the goal is the goal is always we we want to glorify Christ. Uh, we want to lift Him up because He's the only answer. He's the only answer for this world, and people are hurting now. Uh, so there's opportunity everywhere.
0: Opportunity everywhere. Well, thanks, Kevin. Thank you all for taking the time each week to be encouraged, challenged, and loved. Remember what Jesus said? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My hope and prayer is that you believe the words of Jesus. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much.